Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 86 of the Showbound Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Raskin, here as always with Ethan Cardwell. Cardi, how's it going, man? It's good, bro. Um, just land the energy here. Come on. I know. It's the greatest day ever, actually. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> Today's the best day of my life. Like, bring some energy. <laughs> no, the listeners will learn more about that later on in the episode. But uh, no, it, it's good, man. Um, yeah, just back to the grind. Had two days off. So back to practice today and uh, kind of getting into the routine. Looking forward to my first three and three of the year this week. Mm, nice. Yeah. How um, about you guys? What have you been up to with Brock? Well, just to reference the uh, the greatest day of my life, so people aren't wondering, it, Donovan Sobrango, our guest, will will kind of enlighten you on that later. So stick around to the interview. But um, well, even before we even talk about me, like what about yeah, like what about your roadie with the team there on the weekend? I know maybe you didn't get the wins or whatever, but how, like how how was it? No, it was good, man. You know, like we talked about in the interview as well, like going on the road and stuff like that's fun, being on the bus, playing cards, all that. So. Uh, it was all right though. Like for us to go in there and like get two points out of a possible four, like maybe not feeling like a hundred percent, all the boys and stuff like that. So to go in there and get two out of four against two teams that were like rated in the top 10 of the CHL. Um, it's pretty good for us. Like we're, we're not too upset with that. Obviously we'd like to have that Ottawa game back, but a great performance in Peterborough. And yeah, it's more or less just like, okay, like let's get a hundred percent healthy and let's get back to our winning ways here this weekend. And we got like three opportunities to do that. So we're excited. It was more like just reset this weekend, have two days off, kind of just enjoy it, do whatever you got to do, go hang out with your family. And then uh, now we're back to business. So I'm excited, man. Like that's part of the OHL grind, right? It's like those three and threes, like you go somewhere, you come back, you go somewhere at home. So it's, it's a wild ride and quick turnaround. So, but it's it's the part of the game that we love, so I'm excited. I'm real pumped about it. But what uh, what's the latest on Brock? What are we at in the rankings? Uh, I imagine we won't be ranked because we lost to York this weekend. Oh, I know we lost. We we went. We lost one and we won one. So I don't know what's gonna happen with the rankings. They come out tomorrow. It's Monday night as we record this. But um, either way, I mean. A lot of stuff to learn, even in the win the following night after the loss, like a lot of stuff to learn and build on going forward. We we fly to Thunder Bay on Thursday um, for two games Friday, Saturday, and we fly back Sunday. So we got a long roadie as well, actually, for us, a flight even. Um, yeah. So wow, it should actually, be... Yeah. I was I was wondering. So like that team, they obviously, Thunder Bay, what, what is it? Is it, what, what's the school? Lakehead? Lakehead, yeah. Yeah, Lakehead. So like, how's their facilities? Like, are, do they like fill the arena because like it's the only thing oh, yeah. to do they get four thousand every game um it, it's it's pretty sick there honestly like last year when we played it was when uh covid had it had arenas at like 50 percent capacity when we had to go there okay. I, I don't think it was 50 percent in their rink though i think they just didn't care in thunder bay and it was like even in you know quote half capacity it was crazy so i'm actually pumped to to see their uh their full capacity crowd but yeah, I mean, there there really isn't like too much to do with Thunder Bay. It's no secret, like small, small city and uh, far kind of remote from everything. So um, it should be fun to have that atmosphere. Um, they're a pretty good team, but they they've lost four in a row, I believe. So they're gonna be hungry. Like they're they're gonna be coming at us, um, especially against like you guys too. Like yeah, everybody like, wants to well against you guys. Yeah, make a statement. That's one of the things about being ranked, man, that I don't love. It's like you almost have a target on your back. Like people want to get up for those games. Like let's make a statement to the league. Like let's, you know, let's kick these guys out of the rankings. Like because they don't mean anything other than you get some recognition, but it just makes other teams get a little more fired up. So I don't, I, I'm kind of fine with not always being in the rankings, you know? Yeah, no, it's like, it's in like a nice pat on the back. Like, hey, look, we did it. But yeah, like you said, everyone wants to go at you and stuff like that. And like, I don't know. I feel like that's that's even like kind of a thing, just like even like teams who are good on paper, who are like in the OHL or any league, like teams just want to knock you off just because like you have a good team on paper, or like something from the year before and stuff. And I don't know. It just kind of all goes back to like random things that you got to get motivated for to like stay up for games. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and even we'll talk about Thunder Bay and that Lakehead team. So they they have to fly to every road game every single yeah. game like that's that's kind of crazy man it's a lot it's of kind of cool though like it's 
Like, I wonder where, like, how are they getting all these funds for the, uh, for the team to be able to fly and stuff like that? Like that must be very expensive on their team. It's definitely expensive. I mean, well, filling the rink, most games, every game oh, right. would, would help. But even then, I don't think that would cover it. I think, uh, I know at one point, I don't know if they still do. They had a lot of, uh, alumni donations or, or at least one very rich one that was donating a lot. Um, I don't know what the deal is now, but I think they're, you know, between ticket sales, sponsors, they also, they do get, you know, coming with filling your ring comes with sponsors. So they get, I think they're finding a way to cover it. Like teams in our league aren't, aren't profiting necessarily. Like no one really is in this league for profit, um, especially because there's no owners of teams, like it's universities. So uh, I think they're just kind of trying to maybe cover their costs with tickets and sponsors and stuff like that. But I, I wouldn't love that. I mean, it's cool our, you know, once a year, twice a year trip when you get to fly. But to, I, I wouldn't really love flying every game, like having to go through that. And then you're flying and then you're busing from there too. Um, like it's, and it's, it's we, like, sorry for cutting you off, but like we yeah. just talked about like trying to get up for games. Like how about like you've already had like a tough week of school and then you're going on the plane again. You would get sick of it a little bit. And it's not like you're going on a private jet where you're getting like steak and lobster on there. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. You're cramming in there, and you're you're on like a no frills plane or whatever, probably. So yeah, we're on the like the porter jets, the propeller planes yeah. and stuff, and um, and you know half the time your bags don't make it up. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. like, wearing um, equipment and stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, and also tomorrow Tuesday, so we're recording this Monday. Like I said, Tuesday, I'm going to the Buffalo Sabers game against the Arizona Coyotes. So first uh, NHL game of the year for me and um see uh the 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 red hot sabers right now like they've been buzzing so um i'm kind of pumped about that and also like uh with buffalo against arizona on a tuesday night i think it might be pretty empty so i'm gonna see if i can just find my way right down to the glass or something right there yeah i'd imagine especially like uh, i feel like you'll be able to get some pretty good seats for uh for no little to no bargaining 30 bucks for my seat in in that's 300s or whatever that's that's the way to do it like 30 bucks that's not bad at all and that's i mean i guess they they still don't get a ton of fans but like that's like i feel like the leafs tickets are just ridiculous but people are willing to pay which is the scariest part i know it is um i talked about our interview with donovan sobrango i just want to highlight he's a third round pick of the detroit red wings currently playing in the ahl for grand rapids and a world junior gold medalist from this past summer so uh, that's something to look forward to. There's a, a couple of things I guess I want to talk to before talk about before we flip it to him. But one of them was um, I wanted to talk about Shane Wright because mm-hmm. there's kind of some buzz about him and people saying, you know, if he's playing such limited minutes, like should he be in the OHL or is, is he ready to be in the NHL and all this? Now, I want to know what do you think of his situation and some stats he has as of right now, Monday night, he has seven games played one assist and his average ice time is eight minutes a game. So what do you think? Yeah, man, it's definitely like a tough scenario. It's always like a touchy scenario with like, do we send the guy back or do we let him like stay here and like kind of find his way? Or do we let him like be the man again in junior, which he's already done. Like the guy's absolutely incredible, like exceptional. status, And I feel like he's kind of getting overlooked right now um, because of, other guys who are also stepping up and stuff like that but Shane Wright's a crazy good player so I I really don't think either way whatever decision they make it'll affect him like I feel like for the long term he's still gonna pan out and be an awesome player and whether it be this year that he finds his footing in the NHL and settles in or whether it be next year like he he's gonna be fine it's just it's a matter of where Seattle sees best fit for his development so I don't know like what where do you think he'll develop best i mean i think and and so many people disagree with with me if i say this but i think he he'll develop best in the nhl like even if he's playing eight minutes he's playing eight minutes a night in the nhl like he's playing against the best in the world he's getting getting to train with the best in the world and and experience those nhl practices and at the end of the day like if he doesn't have a lot of points because he's not getting a lot of ice time that doesn't really mean he's not developing um i think I think having him in the NHL is good. I mean, in a perfect world, he's he'd be perfect for the AHL, be a first liner in the A. But like, is that rule ever going to change? Like, we can do we want to get into that? Yeah, I mean, like that's a weird rule, and like that's a rule that we saw like um, kind of be broken for 
like a bunch of guys during that COVID year, like to go and play in the AHL. So for the people who don't know, if you're under the age of 20, um, you can't play in the AHL if you're like drafted out of the CHL unless you have like 20 AHL games or something like that. But like you can't get them obviously because of that rule. Yeah, exactly. So that's why a few guys were like allowed to stay in the AHL last year who played in the COVID year, like our guest Donovan Sabrango. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I I don't know. Like it's, it's definitely a weird thing, but I feel like it takes so much talent out of the CHL. So I really appreciate all the great players that play in this league that wouldn't be in this league if it weren't a rule so like i don't mind that rule i think it's great for fans in the ohl they get to see their superstars like develop at 19 and 18 and 19 and put on a real show for them rather than like having them as young bucks and then saying like see you later you know yeah i definitely understand that side of it now here's a hypothetical question or a tweak to the rule and i've heard people talk about this i don't know if it could ever be a thing but each team in the nhl so obviously there's 32 teams now. Each team can have one of their players break that rule. So like each team can put one guy in the AHL before they're 20, for example. So like, I don't know who else Seattle has, but like Shane Wright could be their guy. And then no, none other of their guys can play in the AHL and they'd have to be in major junior or whatever. Um, and that way, at least I remember it, it was being talked about with Barrett Hayden because he was that guy who was like, he just wasn't, finding it in the nhl yet but he was just dominating the ohl yeah, it's like, yeah. he's just what what's he gonna gain from going for another year in the ohl and dominating but he's not he's in the in the stands in arizona at the time and so like if arizona can put him as their one guy to send for that year in the AHL, like i think that would be a great modification to the rule yeah i think there's definitely like good ways to look at it i think that is one of them but i also think we're not moving mountains here on the podcast and i don't think we're gonna get this anywhere <laughs> but uh, it's definitely nice to spitball and think about ideas for sure. Yeah. Um, now, anyway, I think it's a good time to send it to Donovan Sobrango. This was an awesome interview. We were super excited to get him on. So, yeah, we'll flip it over to Sobrango now. Okay, we are pleased to be joined now by Donovan Sobrango. What do you go by, Dono? Yeah. Well, Dono, how's it going, man? Good. I mean, I uh, just got back from a 10-day road trip, which was uh... – Probably the lo- longest road trip I've been on so far. And uh, went from three different places. Started in Texas, went to um, Iowa after that, and then uh, Rockford ended. So good to be back home now. Yeah, I, that was like, I wanted to ask you about that because when I texted you last week or whatever it was two weeks ago, you, you had mentioned that. And I know like in the ECHL and the AHL um, and even in the NHL, the, the trips are longer like that. So What's it like for you and and at that level in the AHL going on these long trips, you're away from home, like a lot of, a lot of hotel meals and stuff like that. So like, how is, how is it going on a trip like that? Yeah, I think especially I've been in the league for two years, two and a half years. So you kind of get used to it, but I mean, 10 days is a long time to be on the road. I mean, you're not getting home cooked meals. That's the biggest part. I feel like, I mean, you're going out to restaurants every, every day. You're just kind of feeling a little, a little off. I mean, you're feeling a little, uh, yeah, just not used to going out that much. I mean, you're in hotel rooms. Doesn't it's not your bed. It feels a little weird, but I mean, you start to adapt after a while, and uh, really, uh, you got to take your rest and uh, big part there. And I mean, getting ready for those games. I mean, we ended with a three and three too, so that's always tough to get the body right for the third game. But I mean, it comes with time, like anything. I mean, you get used to the road after a while, and I mean, that's kind of where the best bonding happens too in the hotel room with the guys. So, I mean, it is a long time, but I mean, it's always fun being on the road with the guys. Yeah, no, you're you're definitely right about that, like from a bonding perspective and all that. But I can see how guys with families and stuff complain and, and don't love those when they're away from their kids or whatever. Like you got, you must have, you must have some dads on your team, right? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's definitely tough having to leave your kids for that long. I mean. I don't have that problem, but I mean, yeah. guys to, having to leave their kids for 10 days, I mean, it's, it's very challenging for them, but uh, we love the sport and that's what we got to do. Yeah. So, so I got like two, two quick questions for you. First is the, uh, is the mustache a Movember mustache or have you always had that? Cause I think in pictures, I see you rocking the stash. Honestly, it's always been a thing. I mean, I can't really grow a beard. So, I mean, I try to show uh, by the mustache, but I mean, honestly, uh, I wore it during uh, World Juniors, and we won there. So 
<laughs> I call it the golden mustache for right now. I mean, <laughs> until something, I mean, knock on wood, I mean, I'm going to keep it until uh, as, as long as things keep going well. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And then the second part of that question, it looks like you're rocking the mullet right now. You got a mullet going? <laughs> yeah, I do. Actually, I got a full-on mullet. I mean, something I've always stash, <laughs> Greasy. Wait, wait, take That's the half. Awesome. Give, give the viewers a, a quick thing. Oh, yeah. Right yeah. down to the right down to the bone. I mean, it's all, also something I always try to do when I get long hair. I mean, I don't I don't know why. I mean, I don't look great in it, but it's just something I always uh, do. And I mean, I do it myself too, which makes it even greasier. I <laughs> take, take my razor and just save the 10 bucks and just shave the sides. But it's something I always try to do, keep it fun, keep it light. That's funny, man. That's, that's good stuff right there. Um, I always appreciate that. And I'm sure the boys love it too. So we're going to, we're going to kind of fire back to the start of your career and kind of work our way up from there. But uh, like, how, how did you get into hockey and what age were you? Uh, I would say pretty, pretty young. I'd say five, six. And it was kind of a weird path because I absolutely hated it. And uh, I refused to go back my first time, but uh, it's actually my mom that kind of forced me to go back and at least give it another try. And then kind of from that moment on, I mean, it's been all hockey for me. I mean, I tried other sports growing up, baseball in the summer, soccer, like any kid, but hockey was always the number one after those few skates. Yeah. And you said you'd like, obviously didn't love it too much in the early going. So like when, and at what point in your career were you like, all right, I'm like actually pretty good to this. Like I might be able to make a career. I'd say back kind of when I was playing with the Kingston organization, Kingston Frontenacs, I mean, you're a kid, you're not taking things too serious. I mean, you're playing hockey, but then I think it's, you get to an age where you kind of start to realize that, I mean, you're kind of one of the top players on your team and you start to think you got the OHL draft coming up and then that kind of hits. And then you realize once you're kind of drafted in the OHL, I mean, you're, you kind of realize that maybe this is something you can, pursuing i mean it's never really great in school so i mean <laughs> i try to t- take hockey as far as i can but i mean i think ohl closer to the ohl draft you get closer and realize that you might be able to get drafted it's kind of when you start to take it really serious and kind of try to pursue it yeah and actually i just got one more thing here before i flip it to rask and he's going to talk about the ohl but you just mentioned you weren't a school guy i i'm pretty sure you were committed no yeah i was <laughs> I was, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I was at that point when I committed, I was living, I was going to CIH Academy, which is a prep school and my, uh, roommate at the time, Dylan Peterson, he committed to Boston university. And, um, at that point it was all school for me. I mean, I wasn't great in school, but I, I knew I could work hard and could, could get a scholarship and get my grades up for that. But, uh, yeah, my parents would never let me step foot in the OHL. They, it was all school route for them and then uh, got the grades up and I started playing some pretty good hockey and then started visiting some schools. And um, at the time, Dylan Pearson was my best friend. I saw him commit, so I knew I had to give BU a, a good look. And I, I remember going down there and it, I think it was my second or third th- or school visiting. And I, I knew I didn't have to see another school after that. It was just incredible. And I fell in love with it right away. Yeah, but obviously you didn't feel like enough in love with it, or or it was the old Kitchener London smokescreen get their guy. But uh, what uh, Rask, I'll, I'll let you ask it on this stuff. I'm just curious. Then yeah, like what made you choose the OHL over over going to BU? Was it just you didn't want to do school, or was it that just Kitchener is such a nasty organization? Yeah, I mean, I was I was over in Europe when the OHL draft just happened. I was in Prague doing this just. Uh, with my buddies kind of nothing serious just kind of a hockey tournament down there I mean we were more down there for seeing Prague but it was a tournament going on and then the OHL draft started to roll around and my agent said like asked me if I had a list of teams just in case like where would I want to play if if it came down to it so I gave him I think a list of five six teams and uh list of two teams kitchen (laughs) uh <laughs> yeah, no, those teams. I think London was on it, but I don't even think Kitchener was on it to be honest. And uh, and then uh, I gave him the list, and then that's kind of when it started to get pretty serious. Because then I started thinking, well, where do I play for that two year gap after I'm done minor hockey? And I knew I had junior A options in uh, the Ottawa League where I was living, 
But I just wasn't sure. I mean, I was thinking down the road. I mean, I tell draft after that, you got a couple of years to get ready. And I just started to panic. I mean, I didn't think I was going to be ready for the draft and, and the league and junior A league. And then start to panic and hit the panic button. And then you got the OHL draft and it's just, it, it kind of takes it by surprise and you're just kind of seeing all the flashing lights and you kind of, then you realize like maybe you want to go to the OHL. You're seeing everyone get picked. And then uh, I got a random call and it was from Kitchener saying, do you want to go? Do you want to come to us? And I was like, so I said yes to get drafted just as more or less, it sounds terrible, but as a backup plan, I mean, if nothing else works, I mean, I have Kitchener. And then, um, so I got back from Prague and then things kind of got pretty serious and I started to panic. Like I didn't really have anywhere to, to play. I got drafted into the USHL draft. And to be honest, I had no idea really what the USHL was about. And I got drafted to a team that was like a 30 hour drive from my house. And I didn't want to go down there and end up sitting in the stands. I mean, 30 hours away from my parents. I mean, I was still a kid at that time. So that wasn't really an option for me. So Really, it only came down to I had not a lot of options. And then Kitchener, I took a visit there, and I fell in love with it. And I was like, how do I not go here? So it kind of worked out perfect. I mean, didn't really have a plan, but it worked out really well for me. Mm. Yeah, that definitely sounds like it did. And I myself have also done uh, the tour and the visit with Kitchener, the office, the facilities, the rink, all that stuff. I've seen all the things that you guys have in that room. Was that – was seeing that? Because that's like – that's got to be better than like BU and all that. Like they're, it, no it's way. unbelievable. No I, they way. got everything there, man. Well, what do you think, Donna? Um, I think BU is definitely better to look at. I mean, everything, both are good, but I mean, if you're looking at um, kind of what looks better, I think BU is just their facility, just so big. And being on the campus to university, I mean, that's, always a big plus too. But I mean, once I saw it, I think what really sold me was the rink. I mean, once they told me that thing sells out, I, I couldn't wait to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it, it, it's pretty sick. It's a pretty sick place to play. And that's anyway, like, that's yeah. like the biggest thing though. Like it's like, cause well, you got to think like a like place like Boston university, like the amount of revenue that they're getting through their other sports teams and stuff like that. Like they can afford like more things, obviously like Kitchener's funding itself, but like, Obviously, yeah, like you said, the odd is a place like no other. It's kind of like that's got to be like one of my favorite rinks in the OHL, no doubt. So can't argue with you making that decision. Yeah. And so how was it your first year there as a rookie? Like the adjustment to that level for you? You talk about potentially in the USHL, you don't know if you might be scratched and all that. Like you could have the same worries for the O. I know you're closer to home, but obviously you weren't really scratched. You had a, you had a good year. But how, how was the adjustment level for you? Yeah, I think like anyone, I mean, the speed getting going up, I mean, you got some old, older guys in the league. I mean, it takes some time to adjust, but I mean, I think I have really good teammates, like good OAs too. And I think um, transition was pretty smooth. I mean, I had great coaches too. Dennis Weidman, Jay McKee were longtime NHL players. So, I mean, getting to um, be coached by them helped me out a lot. And I think just kind of the trust they had in me. It's the biggest thing. Once you get confidence in hockey, I mean, you feel like you can do anything. And they kind of brought my confidence. And then that's kind of when um, the sky was the limit. I mean, I thought I had a pretty good year as a rookie in Kitchener. And uh, I kind of owe it all to my coaches and teammates to give me the confidence because confidence is the biggest part in hockey. Yeah, for sure. And it carried over to your second year and obviously your NHL draft year and you had a great second season there and ended up being drafted in the third round of the Red Wings. And uh, how did you find that season, like managing it through the ups and the downs and kind of the the heat of the draft and all that? Yeah, I think it's just all about mindset. I mean, going into a big draft, like going into your NHL draft, I mean, it's you you say you're you're not thinking about it, but I mean, it's always on your mind. And I think I mean, I had a lot of ups and downs. I think halfway through the year, I went through 10 games, 10, nine games where I had no points. And I mean, I'm supposed to be putting up points, offensive defensemen, and you kind of second guess yourself. Like, am I as good as I think I am? We start to think you're dropping in the draft. But I mean, for any player going through it, I would just say it's all about mindset. I mean, you got to be even keeled. You can't get too high. You can't get too low. But it's going to have some ups and downs. I mean, hockey's a game of mistakes, but I think for me, it was just kind of going out there and playing the game that I played for years. And 
whatever happens happens you can't really control it yeah that's a good way to think about it and i mean we kind of ask all draft picks this but uh like watching the rankings stuff like that was that your thing or did you try to just like ignore that and just focus on your game no i definitely looked at it i mean i feel like anyone that says they don't look at a ranking here or there they i feel like they definitely do but um rankings were right where i kind of thought i fit into the draft so i mean i hadn't I wasn't overthinking it, but it was definitely right in line kind of where I thought mid to late second round where I, I thought I had a, a year where kind of that's kind of where I thought I was going to go. Yeah, I mean, like, because, yeah, guys will come on. They'll be like, yeah, no, I didn't. Let's like, yeah, right. You were definitely yeah. just, you were pissed <laughs> off one night. You're looking, you see somebody higher than you. You're like, F them. Like, that's a joke. Like A hundred percent. I can so many guys come to the room, how's that guy ranked? And I'm not, but I mean, everyone looks at that. Oh, of course. Yeah. I hate when we get an answer and it's like, nah, like, yeah, right, buddy. Yeah, you did. So <laughs> moving on to the NHL draft day and like the moment you were picked, like how did it all go down? And like, can you describe that feeling? Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the draft was later in the day. The second round started, I think like one o'clock. So Kept it a pretty normal day. It was during uh, COVID too, so I went. Uh, all leagues were shut down, so I went with my trainer. Worked out, went on the ice, and uh, pretty normal morning. And then it doesn't going into the draft. I mean, it doesn't feel feel real. Kind of. I mean, you're going into it, and then then you start hearing names called. And then I think uh, it was a very nervous day. I mean, I remember. I, well, you hear stories about guys going earlier than they think or going dropping three four rounds so I started to I was really nervous started to panic and then had a few teams that talked to me that if I was there at their slot they were going to take me and then they didn't end up taking me at those slots when I was there so then that's when you start to really panic and I I mean um, and then the third round starts and then I thought I was going to be gone by then so then I start to really panic like am I going to drop four rounds five rounds here Am I even going to get drafted? These are all thoughts going through your head. And then Arizona ended up losing their pick that draft because they got caught. I don't know. I think they were doing some physical testing on guys. So they ended up losing their pick. And then uh, so that takes a pick out of the draft. So then the third round starts and it on my TV goes to commercial. And I had my trainer who I actually just worked out with in the morning text me like, congrats going to the Maple Leafs earlier that day. And I was like, I look up on the board, Maple Leafs are nowhere to be found on the um, drafts uh, slot. So I'm like, didn't even answer, just throw my phone across the room. Like I'm all, I'm all angry now. And then. Uh, Why do you say that though? <laughs> I don't know. I guess he saw some ranking and said that I was going to the Maple Leafs. And I just, I think he thought that that was some uh, real source, but then he ends up texting me again. Congrats. He went to, Detroit and I was like and I was on commercial so I'm like this guy's got to be kidding me like <laughs> and then my phone ends up blowing up like 10 seconds later so then I, I figured it's got to be real and then I go to commercial uh, comes back from commercial and I just see my name there first pick in the third so I mean not how I thought it was going to go down but I mean I was it didn't matter I mean it's just an incredible feeling to see your name up there and then Stevie Steve Eisenman calls you and I mean it's just an incredible feeling that you're on the phone with a legend like that so I mean it was incredible it was a strange time but it was incredible yeah I guess some quick ups and downs in that day but uh, it all worked (laughs) out and um I'm curious because uh I mean we get mixed reviews on this and stuff like that but did you have a lot of contact with Detroit and did you have a good feeling it would be them um I had contact with them not a whole lot but um they were pretty um, their calls with them were pretty short and sweet. I mean, they. Th- I think the last call I had with them, they had, I mean, all the legends. Lidstrom, Iserman, you got uh, Cronwall, and they uh, were kind of grilling me. I mean, being pretty uh, stern with me. I mean, they, I remember they asked me one question if I uh, uh, was a good pra- practice player. And I mean, I didn't want to lie to them, which was dumb of me at the time. And I go, I'm all right, practice player. Like, sometimes I'm not the best, but sometimes I can't. And they did not like that answer. I remember they threw it to Cronwall, and they said, this guy's a legend. You think this guy's not great in practice? I was like, you're right. He's definitely great in practice. But So that's kind of where the last phone call ended. So I wasn't super 
uh, sure if they were super interested, but I remember, I think a week before the draft, they called my um, off ice trainer, I think like five, six times. So I knew they were pretty interested. So I guess I had a, I didn't, wasn't really thinking too much into it after our, our calls, but I mean, uh, they definitely had showed some interest. Yeah. That's oh, funny, so man. Funny. <laughs> yeah. They're, these guys played together for years, won cups together and they just make a front office together. Like you're still on the team. They're like, all right, let's go get on a zoom call and start picking apart these like rookies coming in. You know, like they're yeah. just having fun with you guys, like <laughs> trying to get in your heads for no reason other than just to, to have some fun. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you turn on a zoom call and you see Cronwall, all these legends. I mean, it, you don't even know if you can speak. You're so in shock by you're just talking to these guys, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're just going in your head too, to, like subconsciously let you know, like, hey, you come through our organization. This could like these are legends that have come in and out of here with cups, and you know, into the Hall of Fame. So it's like they're planting that in your mind, kind of on those calls. But um, I want to talk about the COVID year that, that followed, where there was no OHL season, but actually. Two things I want to mention before I get into that. First of all, I, I, I can't forget, I got to shout out Jake Chella for helping set up this interview, um, who you work out with, friend of mine. Got to shout him out. He he put us in touch, and we're happy to have you on. So shout out Chella. Second one, um, your mom on Twitter. All the time I'm seeing your mom on Twitter. What, what's up with that? It, it honestly started as my Twitter account, and then I end up, making a new one and then she never deletes it like she's never been on social media once in her life like doesn't know snapchat instagram like she's not one of those moms and she decides that she's gonna use this old twitter account i mean and she loves me and my sister death so then she starts like hyping us up on on twitter like everything we do and then <laughs> fans start fans start like reaching out to her and i mean normal person just kind of ignores that stuff, but she responds to everyone. Like it can be as simple as I had a good game and she'll thank you very much. Like all this stuff. So fans now love her on Twitter. And I mean, she probably has more followers than me now, but they're, uh, the fans love her. That's funny, man. Yeah. I see her. anything that happens. Like it, it shows up. Like I'm, I'm seeing Kim Sabrango, like tweeting something, yeah. usually a picture of you like that. That's hilarious. Anyway, Moving forward, um, the COVID year, like I was mentioning, you go to play in Slovakia. Um, how did that come about? And uh, like, how did, yeah, how did that come about? And how do you find the lifestyle living there in a different country and all that? Yeah, I think um, it was during, I felt like I heard something new every week about the OHL. What It was going to start two weeks from now, a week from now. And then finally got to a point where I was like, I'm not sure if this is ever going to start. And then saw some guys in the league, um, started heading over to Europe and I didn't even cross my mind. Like I was just waiting for the OHL to start. And then I kind of hit the panic button when I saw um, guys going over to Europe and I'm like, that's well, kind of I a theme be- of the podcast, by the way, the panic yeah. button, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hit the panic button quite often. And then um, guys started going over and I was like, I give my agent a call and he's like, well, do you want to go? And I was like, I remember I was out for a walk, like on random Sunday Sunday morning and he's like do you want to go I'm like yeah I guess like I want to play some hockey I remember I got a call like maybe five hours later like get ready for your flight tomorrow you're heading to Slovakia and I'm like okay so I remember I packed my bags not really knowing anything but I knew I was going to go with um, Tag Bertuzzi and uh, Keaton Washkirk so I, I knew that I knew of them but I didn't really know them but I was just happy that I was going over with guys and didn't have to do this alone but you head over there and it was, it was a crazy experience right off the bat. They throw us in this little apartment that had just a kitchen and then a straight up spiral staircase into our bedroom where three mattresses were on the floor. But I, our apartment wasn't the greatest. But I mean, I think the city, I mean, the team too, I think it was just a cool experience. I mean, you look back now and you're you're glad you did it. But I mean, it was definitely a lot of adjusting to do. I mean, guys couldn't really speak to you. You kind of feel like the weird guy on the team. Like everything's weird to start, but I mean, once you get used to it, I mean, it's, it's fine. But I was, thank God I had those guys with me because it made it a lot more fun, but uh, it was honestly a great experience. And I would, uh, I would do it again. I wanted to go into that a little bit. So like, how'd you find the level of hockey over there? Yeah. 
weren't there long. So what happened there? Like, did uh, Grand Rapids call you and say, okay, like we got to go ahead to take you on now or what? Yeah, so I think I only ended up playing like five, five, six games there. And uh, I remember getting called from my agent saying that they were allowing guys to play in the AHL. And they said they kind of left it up to Detroit what they wanted to do. So remember I was uh, playing the games. I mean, the levels, level of hockey, I mean, you're in Slovakia, you're not sure what to expect. So it wasn't, it wasn't bad by any means, but it wasn't great. I mean, but it was, it was good enough to get me ready. And I think after that, my agent called me like that I might head back. And then um, next call was you're heading to Grand Rapids. And then I remember I was just on a flight there and then I end up in Grand Rapids playing in the AHL. Yeah, that's pretty cool how things kind of like just unfolded that quickly for you and everything like that. But moving on to the AHL and now you've been there for almost like almost three seasons. Like you said, you're going into second and a half, I guess you call it. But you finished the rest of that year in the AHL. And like, how did you find the adjustment level? Okay, from like OHL, then Slovakia, and then like you're in the Always Hungry League and you're battling it out every night. Yeah, I think it was a wake up call. I mean, that. That year, I mean, you get adjusted to it, like kind of moving into the OHL. You get adjusted to the speed and the size, but I mean, these—they're big guys. Like, I mean, that was the one thing I, I noticed right off the bat. Like, my defensive game was not as not as good as I thought I was. And I mean, being a defense, you got to be good defense. But I think just containing guys like that, like net front battles. I mean, that was the hardest part. I mean, these guys are grown men, and they're just throwing me around like I'm a child. So. I think that whole year was just a great experience, but um, yeah, I mean, getting to see the size of those guys and how they move the puck, I mean, is incredible. Yeah, so you get like your first taste during that COVID year, and there's a lot of ups and downs, guys moving from taxi squad and everything like that, and you kind of get your like first full true AHL season last year with like more of the same group, I'd say, and stuff like that, so Tell us a bit, little bit about that. You're more comfortable going in and everything like that. So where would you evaluate yourself that last year? Yeah, I think last year was probably the biggest wake-up call I've had in hockey. I mean, I think coming off the COVID year, you think you figured out the league. And I mean, now you come in the league and there's no taxi squad and all these players that are ready to play in the NHL, but just can't play a third, fourth line. They're more of a first, second uh, line role type of player. But they're, so they're right there to making it. I think I thought I had the league figured out and then I came in and it was like a complete another league. It just ramped up to another level. So, I mean, it took time to adjust, but I think once you get adjusted to it, I mean, it's the game you've been playing for a while, but I think it was definitely the biggest wake up call that uh, I've had. I mean, I think I thought going in, I knew the league and I just, um, it was a complete different league than what I played in the COVID year. But, uh, I think the hardest part was definitely you play 80 games, 75, 80 games. I mean, not really used to that. And I think it, it's crazy to kind of see the toll it takes on your body and you realize you get a new appreciation for the game and the guys that played 10, 5, 10 plus years in the league and you see how they kind of get their body right. But I mean, 80 games is a lot of games and that's kind of what took was the hardest part for me, just getting used to that. Yeah, for sure. It's a big adjustment. And talking about those veterans and stuff, was there anyone specific who took you under their wing? And I know we, we had Ryan Murphy on the podcast, so we were going to ask, how, how was it playing with Murph? Because I know he's a character. Um, so you got any Murph stories? Um, he might be the funniest guy I've ever played with, but uh, <laughs> I do uh, have a couple Murph stories. I think the best one, we're in Texas, and we end up uh, doing our rookie party there. And I mean... <laughs> You know how rookie parties go, and the next morning we knew we had uh, hard practice. I mean, we knew we were going to be um, in for one, and I remember getting to the rink, and Murph is all curled up, fully asleep, on the floor with his ba- or with bag using as a pillow, completely asleep, and we're like, we wake him up. We're like, Murph, we got practice here, man. He goes, wake me up five minutes before we get on the ice. And he's like, so if he gets half-dressed, we wake him up five minutes before, and we're like, this guy's not going to make it through practice. We're like, and he ends up having a great practice. We don't know how because he looked, he was dead asleep five minutes before practice. We give him a tap, he gets his shoulder pads on, and he wheels out on the ice, and he, he looked fine. I mean, that's what, 
that's what you're looking for. You're not trying to get noticed in those practices. So, I mean, I don't know how he did it, but he was an incredible dude and probably one of the best teammates I've played with. That's so funny. That just describes him to a T because he just so much skill and talent. Like, he yeah. literally put this guy in any situation, he'd thrive just on talent yeah. alone. It's crazy. That's, that's, a, that's a vet right there showing showing that he can do it even, you know, he's he's had a lot of rookie parties, and especially in, in that league too. Like, I love that, man. Murph is funny. We might have to get him back on too. Like, that guy was – he was funny. The, th- the sure. thing with Murph, oh, man, like we had so many stories that uh, he was telling us that like, some of them just can't air. Like a lot of a lot of these good stories, like aren't aren't maybe able to be told. So that's the thing. <laughs> a guy like Murph, he's such a legend, but like he's yeah. got a lot of things incredible that he's with him, unfortunately <laughs> for the listeners. But but I mean, uh, I want to talk about the World Juniors too, which was last season twice, kind of. Um, so you play in the winter tournament, got canceled. Then you go in the summer tournament as well, where you you obviously won gold. But um, can you talk about? both those experiences and, and we can get into a little more too, but like, I guess starting with the winter one. Yeah. Winter one. I mean, it's what every kid dreams of. I mean, Christmas time, you get to play when the world juniors throw that uh, Jersey on. I mean, it's everything. I mean, as I, I was a kid, I thought about, I'm, and once you get uh, told you're on that team, I mean, it's an incredible feeling. And I mean, our team at Christmas time was, I knew we were, we had, we were going to win. And it, uh, I just, uh, I just didn't think anyone was beating us. And, and uh, but I mean, getting canceled. I mean, that's kind of was the hardest pill to swallow. I mean, we got a group, we got called into the room, and I mean, uh, we got told it was getting canceled. I mean, we heard rumors, but we didn't think it was possible to even cancel this tournament. We thought it was too big, and then you get get us in a room and you tell us it's canceled, and we all got pretty emotional. I mean, we kind of we've been training together two three weeks at that point so we got pretty close so i mean that was definitely a hard pill to swallow i mean and then you're back on a flight i think it, my flight was at 4 a.m the next morning and i'm back in grand rapids and just didn't it all felt so weird i mean it was a quick transition but i mean summertime you get the call that it's going to start again and then they call you and then you got to i mean half a new team you're not I knew we were still going to win. I thought we had an incredible team, but I didn't, I wasn't really, didn't know all the guys we brought in, but I knew a couple of them and uh, I knew we were still, we're still a great team. I don't think anyone really was going to beat us out of it. I think it was our tournament to win. And, um, but I mean, summertime, you're not sure. I mean, you're in summer training. I mean, in Grand Rapids, we didn't make playoffs. So I'd been training for a while. And um, so I think it's weird kind of, peaking or ramping up for an August tournament. You're not sure how the body's going to feel or how the body's going to react to that. But I mean, I think it was pretty cool. I mean, every kid dreams of playing at Christmas time and throwing that jersey on and winning gold. But I, I kind of took it as it was a new challenge and kind of first ever to do a summertime world junior. So I thought that was pretty cool. But I mean, uh, getting to win gold there, I mean, it's a feeling that you can't even put into words, but I wouldn't trade trade it back for anything. I mean, the whole shutting it down, just kind of winning, winning gold made it a lot more sweeter. Yeah, no, that that must have been crazy. And and even in that gold medal game, can you just talk about the Mason McTavish goal line save? Like, what did you see in your eyes in that moment? Like, can did you know it was that close at the time? Uh, it's actually a funny story. I remember I got off. I just changed. I get off and I I see him. We're all screaming, "Don't pitch!" and Mason goes in to pinch on the finish guy, and then I see a three-on-one coming down, and I'm like, oh, no. Like, my heart sinks down to my stomach, and I remember I just looked straight down the ground, and I was listening for the roar of the crowd to kind of give me what what the result, and I I thought, I mean, I had faith in my teammates, but I thought three-on-one, it's a good chance this could be over. So I remember I, I head down just, oh, no, like praying, like, please don't let this go in. And then all of a sudden I don't hear a roar. And then I look up and they're skiing down the other ice. So I didn't see it with my own eyes, but I remember looking back at that. I was like, it's crazy because he has the thinnest blade too. And I mean, you can change your blades to be as thick as you want. You can have a paddle down there. And he probably has the thinnest blade I've ever seen. And he just whacks this thing out. And I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it kind of, 
it was incredible to watch. I mean, I don't know if anyone, I don't even know if he could do that if he tried again. So, I mean, it was an incredible play by him. And how soon after the game did you guys um, like see that clip? Because he's, he's, I've heard him say in interviews that he didn't even realize it was that close until he saw it in the video. So like, were you guys in the room seeing this blow up on, on Twitter and stuff? Um, I remember, I think it was, it was a while after the game. I think we'd all changed, getting ready to go to see our families. I remember it was on TV in the trainer's room. I remember I hadn't seen it with my own eyes yet. And like in the moment, no one's really like saying much about the play. Cause we're all, we won gold. We're all screaming and stuff. So I, I knew something happened, but I wasn't really sure like how it was that. And I'm like, I remember seeing on the TV and I'm like, this is crazy. Like this is the biggest save of his career. And so I think it was probably like 20, 30 minutes after when I fully saw what happened, I was like, it was, it was incredible to see. Yeah. that That's awesome. And is there any other like memories or stories that stick out? Obviously winning gold would have been crazy, but maybe any, any funny things like teammates did or anything like that, like anything that comes to mind? Uh, yeah, I think um, there's a group, pretty close group of us. There's me, Jack Thompson, Tyson Forrester, Sebastian Kosa, and uh, Will Cooley and Ryan O'Rourke. I think that's kind of where our main kind of group, the closest guys. And I remember every every night they have a fridge filled with Coke, ginger ale, water, milk, whatever. And uh, every night we called it uh, Ginger Ale Gang, and we'd grab a ginger ale and we'd go up to the room and we'd just chill there, watch some YouTube on the, the TV and just chill there for good hour two hours just sipping on our ginger ale so i mean it was a, it was good fun nothing nothing compares to a nice cold ginger ale though honestly god we, we gotta get going on like some ginger ale gang t-shirts with their heads and start selling them with our logo or something <laughs> make some money it's incredible that's funny man and uh we'll send it over to our this or that segment which the fans really enjoy so I'll give you two options. You pick the but one that best suits you. So we'll start with black or white tape. Black. Shoot first or pass first? Pass. Bar down or five hole? Bar down. Cardio or weights? Weights. Ice cream or milkshake? Ice cream. Candy or chocolate? Chocolate. Chips or popcorn? Chips. Insta or Snapchat? Instagram. TikTok or Instagram? Instagram. Are you a big TikTok guy? I can be. I used to go on it for way too long. So trying to <laughs> cut back cut back now, but you get into a dark hole just scrolling on that thing and hours goes by and you're like, what am I doing with my life right now? It's ugly for sure. It can get bad. It's it's weird how everyone had that problem or has that problem with TikTok. Like it's it might be the worst of all the social media apps for getting stuck on. And then oh. Cardsy and I talked about this a while back, but when they started doing videos that were more than a minute long, that's when people would get trapped because you don't even realize you're watching a video for like three oh. minutes. Then you go to the it's, next like it was brutal. It's incredible. I'm like head down, mouth open, just looking at this thing for a minute, two minutes, and I'm like, okay, I gotta I gotta do something else with my life here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Now, um, we'll get into a couple personality questions and get to know you a little bit more. So, how would your teammates describe you? Um, how did a teammate describe me today? Actually, as the most interesting person. I mean, I got a lot. I feel, I don't know. I feel like uh, something's always happening to me. Something weird. Something funny. So, I guess interesting, funny, pretty serious guy when comes down to business but uh yeah i guess an interesting guy okay so what what led to the teammate on this day t- calling you interesting like what what was it this time um i think i remember I, we had a day off yesterday so i was out for a walk and i remember um it was actually crazy this guy was walking just like was looking at me weird but i was like whatever like it's michigan like who knows what he's got going on? And uh, <laughs> remember, he, and then he just like collapsed beside me. Oh. And I was, what, what, what do I do here? Like, and then I remember, I, it couldn't have been at a better spot. I was in front of like the hospital in Grand Rapids, and I remember, like, what do I do? This guy's like out cold beside me, <laughs> and 
And then I remember like there was a nurse across the street. And I'm like, I yell over like, I need your help. And I remember they're like, just like, sh- like they're like, flip him over on his side and carry him in the hospital. And I'm like, what are you kidding me? So I remember I like had to pick this guy up over my shoulders and I'm walking this grown man that was massive <laughs> over my shoulder. And I'm like, like, this is a, you're a nurse. Like, I feel like you should be doing this. But I remember <laughs> carried this guy into the hospital and got him some help. He was all right. But I was like, it was just crazy that, but, but like, I feel like weird things like that are always find their way to me. And I'm like, so that's how it led to the most interesting guys played with. But I mean, just strange things always just find their way to me. That Yeah. That's pretty strange. No doubt. I, like, I, I don't want to be laughing at his situation, but that, it's kind of a funny story. It, the way it, you tell it. Like, it was crazy. I mean, just how like casually she's like, yeah, you got this, like flip him on his side, make sure he's all right. I'm like, all right. Like, I guess I'm doing a crash course of nursing here, but yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. that's interesting. Well, moving, moving to the next one. Here's, here's a fun one. Um, if you were stranded on an Island for a month with three other members of the Detroit Red Wings organization, who would you want them to be? Um, I gotta go Ryan Murphy because we oh, all yeah. know. Nice, yeah, incredible dude. He'll um, just talk your ear off for a month. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll go Seth Barton, a teammate of mine now. Just the most incredible, kindest human being I've ever met in my life. I mean, I don't think he could hurt a fly. So, I mean, I know he'd always have my back. And I'll go Victor Bradstrom. He's our goalie. He's my roommate on the road, too. And he's got this thing where with his wife that uh, they say every day when they wake up that it's the best day of their lives. And he, t- he told me this. So now we'd wake up, go in the morning, skate, and he'd scream at me, hey, Sabrango. I'd be like, what? He'd be like, today's the best day of our lives. So, I mean, he'd bring positivity and energy. So, I mean, he's an incredible dude. So those are probably my three picks. I kind of like that, actually. Like, keep, keep yeah, the positivity think- in the morning. It lets you kind of choose your own mindset, man, especially if things aren't going well. You can make your make your own day great. Yeah, I think especially playing 80 games, it's a grind. So, I mean, once you can get a good mindset to everything. So, I think that kind of so simple, just you're going to have a great day. I mean, him hearing that, I was like, why not? Can't we have a great day? So, I mean, it's kind of nice that or it's kind of a good thing that he told me that. I mean, I take it for what it is, and it's kind of great, to, good to hear your roommate say that to you in the morning. What What's your living setup like now? You, you living with anyone, or are you on your own, or what? No, I'm on my own right now. Um, I got two bedrooms, so my, when my parents come up, they don't got to buy a hotel, so it's actually pretty nice. I found a cheap place, but I mean, I think the craziest story of my AHL career is when I first moved up here, I was like, I'm going to buy a cheap place, going to save, like, I'm the smartest hockey player to ever live and i remember i bought this place for 900 a month it was in the university like area so i like it was like a apartment inside a house so there's like three other apartments too and i remember i saw this place i drove in i was like yeah it's gonna be fine the kitchen was so small you couldn't like once i stood in it you had to like shuffle around like this was like i'm talking stove and that's it like it was probably I don't know. It was just enough to get me in it. And then I remember the worst part of it was the shower. Once you get into it, it was so tight that the walls were on, like the wall would be touching my chest, oh. and my back. You could not move in it. And I remember, <laughs> I remember a month in uh, coming back to this place. You work hard in the morning, you go skate, you work out and you come back to this place and you're like, what am I doing in this place? Like, you can't even bring the guys over because you're embarrassed. You're like, this place is terrible. So I remember having to move my first like month and a half in. I was like, I'm such a dummy. Like, just go buy it, a decent place. And I think that's kind of the most one of the most important parts. I mean, you're grinding through all this. You want to come back to a nice, comfy spot. But I thought I could cheap out 900 a month, get save my paycheck. I'm like, I'm the smartest dude alive. And you get sick of it after a couple of times getting in that shower and you're like, what the hell am I doing? Or heck am I doing? Sorry. Yeah. You're, you're sitting in the shower, chest to the front, back touching the cold wall. And you're sitting here like, Donna, it's the best day of your life. Come on. 
<laughs> you gotta motivate yourself in the morning. Get up, like, come on, Dono. It's you gotta get up here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you, that that's some good advice for people for anything. Like, even if you're not playing hockey, man. Like, if you're working a hard nine to five or whatever, you want to come home. Like, you know, make yourself comfortable and enjoy the day and stuff like that. But um, into a lighter topic too. Um, how do you eat a cupcake? What what's your method? Oh, um. I'll go, I'll peel like half of it. So half of it's still in the thing. And then I'll take a full bite and then I'll kind of peel it as I go. Kind of like savor it as long as I can, but I love the icing. So I try to take, take the icing down slow. So, I mean, I get as much as I can on the last bite, but the last bite's got to be the best. So you got to save a good chunk and you, <laughs> you shove it all in there. Man, this is why we ask this question cards like you get an answer like this that you you don't even take the full wrapper off <laughs> no like i'll take it off as i bite like sometimes I, I, bite the wrap the wrapper i'll be honest too i i do that too so i'm not getting my fingers in my cupcake either yeah. they're, they're on the wrapper yeah. i've never heard of that one but maybe it's a thing um oh, yeah. that that's hilarious oh my god i love that answer okay um if you couldn't be a professional athlete in any sport, what would you want to do? I probably, I probably own a gym. I think it's just something always cool. I'm big into outside of hockey, like CrossFit and just seeing, and they, I started watching YouTube videos and they all got their sick home gym setups. And I think, and I love my trainer. I'm so close to my office trainer too. And I think just, kind of getting to be around the game would be pretty cool and getting to train athletes. So I think I'd probably own my own gym. That's a good answer. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. That's obviously like everyone. I I guess like that, that would make sense for like a lot of athletes. I feel like that's an applicable answer, but yeah, I like that one. First time we're hearing it too. So we're going to run into the fan questions. Now everyone's favorite part of the day. And we got, uh, we got some good ones here for you. And then, uh, then we'll wrap things up, but just to start stick and specs. So right now I'm using the CCM FT4. I got the um, specs are the P. I don't know what it is in CCM, but it's Bauer. It's the Jamie Ben Pro uh, Pro Curves. So it's basically um, got a good toe hook to it. Um, uh, specs I go 85 or 80 flex. Just changed. I go nipple grip. And then I don't change the height or anything. It's just, uh, and then I'll go max height blade. Okay, cool. Um, what was it like playing with Arbor Jack? I, if that's, I think that's, right? Yeah. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, he was probably, him and Reed Vlad were my two closest teammates. And, uh, but as soon as we signed him, he was always a guy that, I mean, you're competing for spots on a team. I mean, I know you're they're your close buddies and you want to see them do well, but you're also competing for jobs too. I mean, you want to, everyone wants to play on the first line. And he was always one guy that I felt like I always had to like not worry about, but I'm like, this guy is always nipping on my heels. Like this guy is so good. And I remember Well, there's like, a lot of similarities in your games too. Yeah, and I remember just like watching him in practice, he might have the best gap control and stick I've watched the demon ever had like I don't think I've ever watched this guy get beat on a one-on-one two-on-one in practice like I was like and I felt like I was like the only guy seeing this at the time because I mean at the time he wasn't playing a lot my first year he was uh forward and I'm like I felt like I was like the only guy like seeing like like this guy's got legitimate skill and I was like but I just like I, like I was telling him, like I was like, you've got legitimate skill. Like he's got some of the best hands I've seen a big man have too. And I think, but he's also a great teammate. So I think that's kind of with no surprise why he's in the NHL to me right now. I think he has so much skill for a big man, and he'll also knock you out too, which makes him a kind of a complete player. And he, but uh, his hands is the craziest part about him. I think his hands are like the size of both mine put together. And like he would always, we'd wrestle, and he would, his hands like hurt. Like when he hit you with them, they hurt. So, I mean, it's great to see him in the NHL right now. I mean, it's been a long time coming. I mean, he has one of the craziest stories going from undrafted to everywhere, working at Costco, and now you, you're playing in the NHL. So, 
I have nothing but good things to say about him. Yeah, that's a pretty cool story. And kind of on to the next biggest and best thing in hockey right now. What's Connor Bedard like? Great dude. I mean, uh, for his age too, he is a he's massive. Like his legs, like he is a big boy. And I mean, getting to what I think his shot's one of the most incredible I've ever seen. I mean, his shot. The only way you're stopping it is if he misses misses where he's aiming for. But his shot, nine out of ten times is going in. And it, uh, but incredible dude. I'm very mature for his age. I mean, an incredible hockey player. But just I, I think what shocked me the most was just how how big he is for how young he is. Like he is thick. Yeah, that's what I've heard. So that's uh, that's good to validate. Milk bag, right? Isn't that what Clarky said they called him? <laughs> No, I don't think I think they were actually yeah, I think they were calling him like chubby or milk bag. Yeah, chubby or something. Or something yeah. like that. Cause he cause he is Maybe, so I just might have made a milk bag for him. I think it was chubby. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you, the guy's about to go first overall and sign a yeah, ticket. I, I mean, you're you're out here calling him milk bag. That's good. <laughs> but um the most interesting man in the world has to have some pregame meal routines or like superstitions on game day. Um I used to have some crazy ones, man. Like, I used to, like, when I was rooming with Reed Vlad and Kitchener, like, I would have some crazy ones. Like, I would always have to shower first. The ketchup, I loved ketchup at the time, always had to be on the right side of me at the dinner table on game day. Like, he always had to drive. But, I mean, once you get into pro, I think you start to lose some of those because there's so many games and you're like, if the ketchup's not on the right side, is it really going to affect how I'm playing? On this? But, um, now, um, I don't know if there's any crazy ones now. I think I always do the same warm up, like on the ice. I mean, I'm always at the same spot, same time. Like um, always in the half moon, kind of when you pass out and you're warming up the goalies, I'll always shoot in the same spot, not trying to score. And that's pretty much about it. Okay, cool. That's crazy though. But the other ones, at least you're saving gas and making Rito cover that. Bill. But um, uh, and then we got one more here for you. At any level, uh, favorite road city slash rink. Oh, um, I'll probably go Texas here. I mean, Texas here in Texas. I mean, you go from practicing at the rink in your poolside and in the sun an hour later and then rink they don't have the prettiest rink to look at but their fans are so intensive it feels like you're right back in junior like they're down your throat in a smaller building too it just feels like they're right on top of you screaming at you so i think rink and atmosphere wise it's pretty cool and then you get to go outside and sip poolside after practice so pretty incredible yeah that's pretty enjoyable i can only imagine but uh I mean, with that being said, I think that pretty much wraps it up from our end. We just say thanks a lot and really appreciate you taking the time. And I'll flip it over to Rask here. Yeah, I also want to thank you for taking the time. I thought this was an awesome interview. And I've, I've obviously, I've seen you play for a long time. I'm a fan of your game. And um, I hope uh, you're well on your way to a long career in the NHL coming up. So, I mean, our listeners and ourselves, we're excited to see where you go from here. But uh, thanks for taking the time and doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. We want to thank Dono for that one, um, as we prefaced before the interview. A lot of fun, uh, a few great stories, so I hope everybody enjoyed. Rask, what did you think? Yeah, it was awesome. It, w- it was a really good interview. I thought he spoke really well, actually, and uh, he ha- he shared a lot of funny stories, which was awesome, and the Murph story. like Murph is such a likable guy, too. Like For those who haven't listened to that episode, go go find it. I don't know off the top of my head which one it is, but Ryan Murphy, he's a funny dude. I could see... Sabrango and, and Murph just being a couple characters, like the most interesting guy in the world and maybe the most funny guy in the world in, in the same room together. So um, I'm sure they got up to some shenanigans, but uh, it was a good interview. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And speaking of another defenseman, um, an NHLer and a Norris winner, I think maybe more than once, but uh, don't quote me on that. But Eric Carlson right now, he's on an absolute tear. What are your thoughts? Well, he's already in the Norris conversation now, and I know it's early, but um, I mean, did he have a hat trick the other night? Yeah, he has ten goals in thirteen games. It's the first time since like post war time. 
Yeah, he's he's buzzing, man. I mean, this is vintage Eric Carlson. Like we saw him do this for years and years and years. Like we grew up watching this guy go end to end scoring goals and he's found his uh second wave, I guess. I'm just looking up how many Norrises he has. He's won two. So yeah. like, that's just wild, man. And he carried that Ottawa team like a few years. Like he was absolutely incredible. And then obviously like when he went to San Jose, like a few injuries bogged him down. But like, that's what I was saying, man. Like when I was at camp, it was off the charts, how good this guy was looking and stuff like that. So to see him like back in full form was like so cool in person. And then to like now see it like translating to games and like happening every night. It's so like, it's unbelievable to watch. Yeah. I can't believe you were even like sharing the sheet with him, man. Like that's so cool. Like he honestly, um, it's not something to take for granted. We talk about, um, like in even Sabrango mentioned, like talking with Detroit, the legends and stuff like that. Like Carlson's a living legend right now on San Jose, still in the league. Like he, this guy was so dominant and now he's bringing it back. So like to have dominance over such a long span in the NHL and even, sorry, like to keep bringing up stuff Sabrango said, like he talks about how an 80 game season takes a toll on your body. Like this guy's been doing it for so long. And to now be this good again as he always was, like it really is mind blowing. And I can't, I can't relate because I haven't experienced like that many games. I've definitely experienced being a dominant defenseman, though. I know that, but, <laughs> but not for a long career like him. But, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's pretty sweet. Yeah, man. Um, definitely incredible to watch. And there's been a lot of good hockey. And obviously, we could sit here all day and talk about the players who are lighting it up and stuff, but. Uh, we'll leave that for another day, maybe a solo episode or something like that, where we recap the NHL and stuff like that. But I, I know we got a bunch of guests lined up. So with that being said, I think that's good on my end. What are you saying? No, that's pretty much it. I mean, the Leafs lost another goalie. We don't need to talk about it, like you said. So everything's going going crazy in Leafland. But why don't you take it away with the weather report? Yeah, I mean, it's actually been unbelievable weather, as everybody's seen. And uh with Halloween passing, I think we're we're on to the the Christmas time. Um, I'm getting in the Christmas spirit. Had a nice uh, Christmas like I don't know festive drink from Starbucks the other day, like with some peppermint and stuff. So I was feeling uh, feeling the vibe. Is that one good? By the way, I didn't see you post it on your Instagram story. Yeah, no, I I definitely uh, I definitely missed out on that. I should have put it on Snap and Insta. So I'll uh, I'll make sure to do that next time. But uh, with that being said, everybody just uh, enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you next time.